haunts. How do we meet? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to our podcast and a happy Halloween to everyone who's listening. Uh, this podcast is being recorded in the month of October, so we're days away from Halloween. And yeah, let's let's get started. Let's, let's go through some spooky presenting complaints. Today, the most spooky one that we're going to go through is fatigue and tiredness. And I'll be honest, this presenting complaint gives me a lot of shivers because I myself found fatigue and tiredness to be very, very confusing when I was going through year three in med. So yeah, today Xiao is going to going to run the whole show and I'm going to be asking her a few questions. Yeah. Thank you very much Simran. So yes we will be talking about fatigue and I guess what's scary about it it's it's not just scary in third year it comes back in fourth year fifth year and obviously for the rest of your careers because it's a genuine problem. I can tell you that I have periods of time where I'm absolutely exhausted and I feel tired and I'm like certain something is wrong with me but more importantly patients definitely do come in and say hey I'm feeling really tired is there something wrong with me doctor so before we actually get into it Shah, I've got a question I think for me personally whenever I see a, a presenting complaint that's really vague like fatigue tiredness in my mind I don't really have like a structure and I personally really struggled struggled with you know like what what things do I want to focus on um, what are some common causes so just bringing some clinical side to it like during your placement in GP um, when patients came in with fatigue and tiredness, what did you notice in terms of like, what was the most common cause of these presenting complaints? Mm, that's a really good question. So I think, uh, there's obviously that divide between what you get in exams and what you get clinically. I found that clinically tiredness does come up, but the great thing about tiredness is there isn't that many conditions where the patient just comes up and says, Hey doc, the only thing I'm feeling is I'm exhausted and tired. And if they do, there are sort of a list of differentials that you can think of. But then there's also the other side of it where uh, patients will actually come in and say, hey, doc, I'm actually feeling really, really hungry all the time and I'm getting really exhausted. Or maybe they'll say, I'm losing heaps of weight and I have no idea why. And I'm also starting to feel really tired. So then you have those sort of categories. But let's just talk about tiredness and fatigue in general and how... Uh, how MRTA or maybe how GPs usually approach it. So this is something that I learned in my GP placement. The most common cause of tiredness or fatigue in patients can be easily spelt out using the mnemonic of SIMP, S standing for sleep disturbances. So this might be the fact that they're not just ha- they're not having regular sleep, or it might be they have they are having a sleep dysfunction. Uh, for example, obstructive sleep apnea which is very common. I is infections. And these are usually viral infections. We know that viral infections are much more common than bacterial infections, but bacterial infections can also cause tiredness as well. But you're going to get that fever as well. So if they come in and they're like, hey, I'm feeling really tired, but they don't have a fever or they have really weird and wonderful symptoms, then you're thinking, okay, let's let's look at the possibility of viral infections or post-viral syndromes. M stands for medications, and that also includes uh, drugs as well. So think of alcohol or prescribed drugs like hypnotics, benzodiazepines, first-gen 
antihistamines, antipsychotics, and also think about withdrawal. Alcohol withdrawal can make you really tired as well. Then the P, the P stands for psychological. So this one's very common as well. Stress, anxiety, depression, all these conditions can present as tiredness. That's really interesting. So apart from like the most common causes, what are some like serious conditions that are associated with fatigue and tiredness? Yes, great question. So the ones that you definitely don't want to miss can be categorized into three plus one. So you have heart stuff. You don't want to miss out on a heart stuff. Cardiac arrhythmia, cardiomyopathy, heart failure, all can present as fatigue. I, the second category, sorry, is infections again, but these are more serious infections. So abscesses, bacterial infections, sepsis, HIV, AIDS, hep B, hep C, you don't want to miss those. Then you have cancer. I think we can both agree that all types of cancers can present as tiredness or can cause yeah. tiredness. Yeah, because it just consumes so much of your energy. And then the plus one category is anemia. So always good to have anemia at the back of your head. Moving on from that, then you have other conditions to consider. And these are not so serious, but do consider them. So I've categorized these into systems. So you have endocrine uh, conditions, which is things like diabetes, diabetes mellitus, uh, thyroid disease. Then you have autoimmune conditions, which are pretty much all of them, but especially celiacs and IBD. And that's also connected to the fact that it's an absorption problem and that can lead to anemia as well. Then you have neurological conditions, things like multiple sclerosis, strokes, Parkinson's disease, having a stroke, uh, oh, a stroke again, can also, uh, or having a brain injury, any type of brain injury can actually make you very tired whilst you're recovering. Chronic conditions, we already talked about heart failure, but also lung, uh, lung dysfunctions, liver failures, kidney uh, disease can also cause that. Then um, if you have a woman or a lady in front of you, don't forget to ask about pregnancy and menopause because they can also cause a woman to be very tired. And then once absolutely everything's being ruled out, then you have those weird and wonderful cluster. And that's like chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, IBS, or irritable bowel syndrome, and then functional disorders. They can also present as tiredness. So that's quite an extensive list. Um, and... Next, I'll go through some history, but at the end, I will try to tell you which ones are the most important if you're in like that really quick, rapid situation and you can't spend lots and lots of time going through all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like the differentials are quite a lot, but um, Shell, how do you bring it together in a history? So if someone comes in, is super tired and fatigued, what kind of questions are you asking? How are you ruling in and ruling out all these differentials and how do you bring the picture together? Yes. So firstly, the history is obviously going to be dictated by your patient, but I'm just going to go through quite an extensive and thorough history. So when someone comes up with tiredness, just start with the tiredness first. Ask them, when did it start? Did it happen after an event? How long has it been since then? And has it been the same or progressive? Are you getting more and more tired? Or are you fluctuating? Are you feeling like heaps of energy one day and you're feeling really, really tired another then I like to actually hone in on the stuff that I don't want to miss first. So the stuff that could potentially be dangerous to the patient. So remember, I talked about heart stuff, infection stuff, 
cancer stuff and anemic stuff, okay? So let's start with heart stuff. You can rule them out basically by asking about palpitations, shortness of breath and exertion, dizziness, postural hypertension, and peripheral edema, okay? So once you, if the patient says no to all those, you can rule out heart stuff. Asking about infection stuff, remember fever, shakes, chills, sore muscles because you're thinking virus, sick contacts because usually infections pass from one person to the other. And if you're thinking about post-viral syndrome, you can ask about a recent viral infection. And most of the time the patient will say, yeah, I had recently had a cold or I recently had the flu. Then cancer questions so that your clusters Questions are unexpected loss of weight, night sweats, lumps and bumps where they've sort of just noticed. They can be painful. They can be not painful. They can also be like weird growing skin lesions. You can also ask them if they've noticed any masses around their body and family history is really important as well. Lastly, for the important stuff that you don't want to miss is anemia. So you anemia usually presents as a triad, so paleness, shortness of breath and exertion, and palpitations. You can also decide to screen what could possibly cause the anemia. So you can screen their diet. You can ask them if they're vegetarian or if they eat a meat diet, or maybe they have something wrong with your gut, which will uh, cause the absorption to be quite poor. So ask them about constipation, diarrhea, ask them if they're having trouble swallowing things. Then you can ask them about maybe uh, things are living out their body too quickly. So ask about changes in bowels, maybe they're bleeding in their bowel, so melina, or blood in their um, poo, which is hematochesia. Or maybe their body, you can screen for uh, hemolytic anemia, and that will also present with paleness, shortness of breath, palpitations, as well as jaundice. Jaundice is really important, and in family history, because a lot of these diseases are, uh, or conditions are heritable. Lastly, again, if you have a woman in front of you, go through their menstrual history and the possibility of pregnancy. All right, I know that's a lot, but hang with me just a little bit. I think another really important one to go through is your endocrine system. And that's just because it's just so easy to miss. So ask about thyroid stuff. Ask about whether they have any swelling in the neck, whether they're depressed or anxious in their mood, hot, cold, dry skin, sweaty skin, weight gain, or maybe weight loss. And these are all unexpected. Appetite changes. So um, if you're hypothyroid, you tend to want to eat heaps. If you're hypothyroid, you tend to just gain weight and you may not want to eat so much. Bowel changes, tremors or lethargic movements, changes in the period for a woman as well, and sleep changes. Diabetes is the other condition. This one's quite much easier than the thyroid. So ask for polyuria, going to the toilet way more than um, what they used to do polydipsia drinking lots of water and feeling really hungry which causes polyphagia all right now at the end don't forget to ask about some uh something about their sleep so don't forget to ask them hey have you actually maybe changed your amount or recently has your sleep patterns just been really irregular ask them about their lifestyle stuff because that's what the patient probably cares about you know they may be tired but that's what the patient cares about they're not having enough energy to do other things so ask them about their energy ask them about concentration and if you're thinking 
we're going down that sort of um, psychiatric pathway, don't forget to screen for risk factors like self-harm and suicide ideation. Okay, so um, just letting you know that all the other stuff you can quickly cross off as well, but just to make sure that it's very holistic towards the patient, don't forget to ask about your, their social history as well as the BISO beliefs, ideas, um, their expectations and their concerns. That's amazing, Xiao. And I think um, I'm really glad that you mentioned the psych side of it because I think um, especially now more so than ever, we're living through a pandemic and a lot of people there, they just might need some, someone to talk to. So they might just come in and say, hey, doc, I'm really tired. And it might just be because they might be, you know, suffering from depression or they might just be feeling lonely. So I think that, you know, actually screening for that, like, you know, how is your mood? How's your appetite? Um, do you, do you, have you lost interest in activities that you usually used to find interesting? Like these are really important things to screen for in someone who comes in with fatigue because it could be their first presentation um, for something more, more serious. Um, That's right. Yeah. So the history was amazing. And I think that gives a really nice structure because you went through the systems, the most important things not to miss and other things to screen for. Um, so in terms of like a brief physical examination, what are some things that you'd be, you'd be doing um, or, you know, as a part of your examination? Yeah, so since the history was so extensive, everything from now on is basically guided by it. So based on the most common and serious causes of fatigue, I have just sort of recommended a couple of examinations that you probably should perform on uh, patients. So in general, all patients should just be generally inspected and have vitals done. And that's just to make sure that everything's working for them to survive. Vitals are vital. You need them to live. So once you've checked those, then you can consider heart, lung, hematological and abdo exam, and then as a bedside investigation, perform a urinalysis. But like I said, everything's going to be dictated by your history. So if they're really going down the menopause kind of picture, then you can perform a woman's health exam. Um, and then I guess uh, if they're really going down the endo, like thyroid, then you want to do a thyroid exam. And of course, I one thing I almost forgot is with the heart exam uh, for your bedside investigation, you can also perform an ECG, especially if you're feeling palpitations, you know, because I, I did say that anemia is really common and anemia can present with palpitations. Make sure you check the heart to... Uh, to rule out any dangerous um, heart conditions. That sounds good. And then just basics of investigation. So like, you know, what's your framework for investigations in this situation? Yes. So just like before, you spent so much time on history. So let the history guide your investigations. So I thought as a bit of a fun exercise, uh, I have uh, written a couple of cases, I think a total of five of them. And if you would like, I will present the cases to you and then you can tell me what are the main investigations that you would like to order. And then I'll sort of like give you uh, and your list, the listeners out there uh, a couple of tips and tricks if I can. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. Fantastic. All right. So case number one. 
So case number one is a 24-year-old female. She tells you she's been trying to do lots of netball, get um, do sports and as well as juggle uni, but she's getting actually quite tired and she's noticed that it's been progressively getting worse. She feels that in netball, where she used to be able to play three times a week, she's now feeling puffy after completing a game. And she's also noticing this when she goes for her morning runs and Previously, she was able to easily do uh, five kilometer running, but now even after one kilometer, she's really starting to get um, really puffy. You ask her about wheeze and coughs, which she denies. You also ask her about any recent infections, which she says no to. Then you ask her about sleeping and she tells you that, yes, she has been sleeping really well, but she, she kind of has a feeling Maybe she's not getting enough. So she went to another GP and actually asked for melatonin and has been trying that for a little while. And now she's telling you that she's regularly getting about eight to 10 hours sleep. And she's hoping that the melatonin isn't actually contributing to her tiredness. When you ask her about mood, she says it's fine. She admits that university has been a little bit stressful since exams are coming up. But overall, she's got a great group of friends, a good study group, and she thinks she can cope. Finally, you ask her about her diet and she tells you, oh, well, she's been a vegetarian and she's just gradually sort of turned into 100% vegetarian and is trying to go vegan. And this all happened within this year. Um, so it's been about, let's just say, seven months now. So from this case, Simran, what would you like to order? Yeah, so this te seems to be um, first thing that pops out is um, possibly anemia. The fact that, you know, she's had the diet change and she's feeling a bit tired, a bit short of breath when she's exerting herself. So I'd want to first start with a full blood examination to see whether there is any anemia and then also order iron studies. So look at the ferritin levels. Because she's recently become um, vegetarian, I wouldn't be so worried about B12 or folate. I think that would be in situations where um, I'd want to get more information about what her diet is around in terms of folate. But I think it takes a lot of time for B12 levels to go down. So I think that I'd first start off with an FBE and iron studies. And based on the results of that, might also consider ordering a blood fill and also might consider ordering B12 levels or other sort of screening um, based on what the blood film tells me. That's great. Thank you so much. So yes, I was thinking along the lines of anemia and I think FBE and iron studies is a really good place to start. And yes, you're right. The body does have really, really long storages of folate as well as B12. Folate is usually now fortified into our food. So like bread and cereal usually has folate into it. B12, you can also get uh, B12, I think, is the only one that she may not be able to substitute via her diet alone, um, unless she's eating lots of eggs and dairy products. Um, so the fact that she's turning vegan, might, you might be like, oh, okay, later down the track, I'll have a look at her B12 and obviously recommend her some supplementations if she needs so. Very good. Let's move on to case number two. So case number two is a 19-year-old male who's tells you that he's been tied for about two weeks now. He's actually here to pick up a medical certificate because he's he's recently caught some like fluey symptoms and cold-like symptoms and it's made him basically miss a science prac. So um, 
he, when you ask him a little bit more about it, he says, look, he's been feeling really under the weather and he reckons it's probably due to too many parties because there's lots of end of a year exams on at this moment in time. So um, he thinks, you know, uh, he's probably picked up a cold along the way um, and he tells you that, yes, he has been feeling sore throat. He has been feeling a little bit of a cough, but he reckons, nah, it's nothing too serious. So you decide to perform an exam because you're a little bit suspicious and you notice that he has bilateral cervical lymphadenopathies um, and you also realise that his temperature is slightly elevated at 37.8 and you ask him, hey, have you been feeling feverish? And he, he says, oh, yeah, actually, now that you mention it, I have been feeling feverish and it's been about a week now. So from this, what investigations would you like to order? This, this sort of presentation screams EBV to me, or which is also known as infectious mononucleosis. So based on that, it's a viral infection. Um, I'd want to rule, rule in or diagnose and confirm my diagnosis by doing um, a monospot test for heterophil antibodies um, and doing a viral PCR. If I am suspicious of any other sort of infection, um, if it was more of a non-specific picture, um, I'd also consider ordering um, EC, uh, sorry, CRP and ECR and you know, urinalysis, uh, urinalysis dipstick, um, midstream urinalysis. Um, but yeah, I think this is like screaming EBV. So I just stick to the viral serology and the monospot test. Sounds good. Yes, I was thinking about EBV and you're right. Monospot test is basically the test to go to, to and it's diagnostic for EBV as well. So if you're thinking of other infections, because other infections does cause fatigue as well. Um, so if they're coming in with dysuria, uh, then yes, go do your urinalysis, go do uh, MCNS. Um, and if you're thinking, oh, maybe they've got, they're coming with cough and they've got lots and lots of purulent sputum, um, then maybe you want to do a chest x-ray. Um, if they've got a dry cough, maybe you want to do a bronch. Um, and, you know, if they have a dry cough, you know, they come from another country, they're born from another country. Um, they are also reporting, you know, rapid loss of weight, then um, you probably want to do a uh, 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 a test for um, tuberculosis and um, we will be chatting a little bit more about tuberculosis in an upcoming episode so stay tuned for that. Okay after my very shameless plug let's move on to our third case. So our third case is a 63 year old male. He mentions that he has been feeling tired for one month. He's also started noticing that his heart's really running quite a bit. He's feeling it really pounding sometimes and he gets and then it's especially the case when he stands up and he also feels quite dizzy as well. When he goes for walks he's also noticing getting quite puffy um, but no not wheezy. Uh, when you ask him more information, he has noticed that this has concurrently happened with some bowel changes. Uh, he says he's been going to toilet and sometimes it's really watery, whereas other times he's really struggling to push. Um, his diet hasn't really changed, though, but he has noticed uh, loss of weight. So he's lost about one kilogram over the last two weeks. And at night, he does wake up absolutely drenched in sweat. When you ask about his social history, he tells you that he was an ex-smoker. He quit in his 40s. He started when, he's tw when he was 20 and was smoking about one pack a day. 
Um, and then when you ask him about his diet, he tells you, well, most of the time he, um, his wife cooks for him um, and he's usually eating, you know, like a piece of steak, like a big piece of meat and like three little bits of veggies. At the end of the consultation, he tells you that his father passed away from some cancer at the age of 60. So from this, um, can you please tell me, Simran, what are your differentials as well as your investigations that you would like to order? Yeah, so just a summary. So when I look at this, I think, okay, he's an elderly male who's come in with um, loss of weight, night sweats, with changes in bowel habits. And so that screams colorectal cancer to me. Um, and what I'm thinking is he's also getting palpitations. He's getting dizzy. So he might, and that might be associated with anemia. So blood loss um, due to cancer and other risk factors that could support the fact that it could be cancer is the fact that he's a neck smoker, his diet, which is predominantly um, red meat and um, the fact that he's got a family history. So then because he is symptomatic, um, I'd want to order, um, I want to do basic blood. So do FBE iron studies to look at whether he is anemic and then um, maybe even test for cancer markers. So CEA, which is specific for col colorectal cancer, not only specific, it might be, it might have a high sensitivity, but to actually diagnose it, um, I'd want to do a colonoscopy and biopsy to confirm whether it is cancer or not. Very good. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you actually said that he has anemic features as well as the uh, features of um, colorectal cancer, because I think one thing that I heard a lot is if there's anemia, I believe now it's like anyone above 50 or 55, you need to rule out colorectal cancer because sometimes that's the very first sign of colorectal cancer and you obviously don't want to miss it. Um, we will be talking about anemia in a later episode. Um, and that's my last shameless plug. And now moving on to our fourth case. Our fourth case is a 51-year-old female. She has no past medical history. She's actually your friend. And she just thought she'd call you on the phone because she's really starting to feel quite tired and she's getting quite shaky. And and on top of that, she's feeling really hungry and she's craving lots of Maccas and fish and chips. And she was just wondering if you were going to be free this weekend for Maccas and fish and chips. Um, when you ask her, hey, have you been, are you, are you all right? Like, what have you been eating lately? And she kind of shyly confesses to you that, well, she has been to Maccas quite a bit. And sometimes she even buys a burger. And because she's so hungry, she actually uh, whips out and then gets back into line again because she's just so hungry. But for some odd reason, she tells you she's kind of confused because she's actually losing weight um, and she's starting to get quite worried. So given the fact that she has no past significant history, but she does tell you that she has a family history of type 1 diabetes, being that her sister who was diagnosed when she was 17, I wanted to know, Simran, what would you order as investigation to figure out what she possibly could have? Yeah, so in this situation, um, you've got a female who is super hungry, um, so her appetite has gone up or her weight has gone down. And that's a classic sort of um, feature that you see in hyperthyroidism. So other things that are supporting that my, like my top differential would be the fact that she is female and her sister has type 1 diabetes. There's a family history of autoimmune conditions. So in terms of investigations, 
to actually screen or diagnose um, hyperthyroidism, I want to order TFTs, so thyroid function test, maybe even order um, an anti-TSH receptor. So that's something that you would see in Graves' disease. And since her sister has type 1 diabetes, I might also want to screen for diabetes in her as well. So do uh, random blood glucose or fasting, and then maybe even order a HbA1c order uh, antibodies or autoimmune markers for diabetes. So anti-glutamic acid decarboxylase, which is anti-GAD and anti-islet cells. So that's just to screen and see whether she also has diabetes. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic answer. Well done. I think, yes, you're completely right in saying that being um, her symptoms that she's come with, with does remind you probably more of thyroid condition, particularly hypothyroidism. Um, and I guess I didn't put in the goiter there just to let everyone know that sometimes the, the goiter comes out a lot later. Um, and then of course, you know, someone who's eating lots could possibly have, type, uh, you know, diabetes herself. But I agree with you. It's sounding because she's got like tremors and she's feeling really worried and anxious. It's probably more hypothyroidism picture. Just wanted to let uh, you guys all know that hypothyroidism can also present as fatigue as well. In that case, yes, order TFTs similar to hyperthyroidism. And then the um, Hashimoto's disease is the most common cause of hypothyroidism. So it, that's an autoimmune condition. So you can also order anti-TSH and anti-thyroperoxidase or anti-TPO to diagnose hypothyroidism. All right, well done for hanging on with me. Last case here. So the last case, we're bringing it down to a kid's level, but you can also get this condition as an adult as well. So a father has brought in his eight-year-old son and he's noticed uh, that his son is just not growing like his peers. He tells you that he's been really, he's been growing normally and he's making his percentiles, but he's noticed that he's just started to slow down um, within these last few months. And along with that, he's also starting to feel quite groggy, quite tired. He's not really keeping up with his peers and playing tag and being really active in the playground because he absolutely loves to sand pit. But nowadays, he usually just sits down on the floor and um, he's just quite worried. Another thing that the dad has also noticed is that his tummy seems to be getting a little bit bigger and bigger. And he's just worried that um, something weird has happened to his son and maybe he's just gaining lots of weight and um, it's not translating to growing upwards as well. He's just growing sideways. You ask him more questions and he also informs you that his son has been having periods of diarrhea. He is still eating um, and he's eating normally um, and he, he doesn't have any dietary changes. Other than that, he has a pretty normal past medical history. He had a normal birth. He had a normal, um, pre his mom had a normal pregnancy when she was pregnant with him. No, uh, no obstetric complications, no birth complications. Whilst he was developing um, and growing, there were no real concerns until these couple of months. The father tells you at the end of the consultation that his mother had a food intolerance, but he can't remember which one. On this history, um, Simran, could you tell me what investigations are you sort of thinking of? 
in terms of this situation, first of all, in terms of my top differential, I'd be thinking celiac disease. Reason being because he seems to be bloated, um, tired, irritable, makes me think he's probably maybe losing, maybe anemic, um, which is something you see in celiac disease. Periods of di diarrhea, so um, due to that, that's also something that you could see with celiac disease. And um, the fact that his grandmother had a food intolerance, maybe it's related, but I think overall the picture is in line with celiac. So in terms of um, gold standard, we can just do a blood test and order anti-tissue transglutaminase. And that's usually an, a marker of celiac disease and it's very specific to celiac disease. And in order to confirm a diagnosis, um, I'd also wanna consider sending him off for an endoscopy and biopsy to look at the microscopic features of a duodenal tissue. Very good. Well done. Well done. Well done. Okay. So those are all the cases that I have for you today, Simran. But for our listeners out there, there's just two things that are uh, two other investigations or two broad categories of investigations that I want you to consider as well. So chronic conditions, I thought we don't need a case for that because I think, you know, you order it according to which chronic condition you think it is. So to give you an example, if you're thinking, okay, this person could have a chronic kidney disease, then you think, okay, I got to monitor the UECs and you can also look for CMP um, because, um, kidney function can also make the CMP levels abnormal. Then if you think it's a liver problem, order LFTs or your liver function tests. If you think it's a heart problem, I said before, um, order an ECG, which is done at the bedside. But if you want more specific tests, you can also order a echocardiogram and a stress test. And then finally, for lung diseases, you can order a pulmonary function test. But yes, it's all about ordering to the organ that you think something's gone wrong with. Then finally, sleep disorders. I know it's a very important topic. It's one of the most common causes of fatigue. So most sleep disorders are clinically diagnosed and you can talk to your patient about sleep hygiene in terms of management. But if you do hear that, um, you know, they've been snoring at night or they've been, they've, they've woke up in the middle of the night because, you know, their spouse is like, stop, stop, you're, you're just snoring all night, then probably want to send them in for a sleep study because they could potentially have obstructive sleep apnea. Um, and another um, presenting complaint of that is if the spouse comes in and tells you they're getting really worried because um, they've got periods of like no breathing during the night. That's also quite alarming for the spouse um, or the person who's sleeping in the same room as them. Okay, so that's all the investigations that I had in mind. Obviously, this could go on and on forever because there are just so many conditions that can cause fatigue. But I just thought that is a nice way to just categorize um, investigations and hopefully make it a little bit simpler for you. Awesome. Thank you for that, Xiao. Um, so I think that wraps up our talk on tiredness and fatigue. Thank you so much for such a comprehensive explanation. I think I have like a better idea as to how to, how to approach it in terms of a patient coming in and what systems to keep in mind and the red flags. So just a quick summary of what we've talked through. Um, so we went through the differentials for tiredness and fatigue. Um, the most common of which, which is a really cool mnemonic that Xiao gave us is called SIMP. So you wanna think sleep disturbance, infections, medications, and psychological stuff. Things that you don't wanna miss are heart-related conditions like arrhythmias, heart failure, cardiomyopathy, other serious infections like hepatitis, viral hepatitis, HIV, 
um, cancer, anemia, and other conditions you always want to consider is um, endocrine, so thyroid disease and diabetes, as well as autoimmune conditions and any chronic conditions. And in a woman who comes in um, with fatigue, you always want to do a screen for um, a gynecological screen, so how their um, menstrual periods are and whether they're possibly pregnant. And we went through a brief structure on how to approach the history, um, basics of examination, and then we went through some practice cases that Xiao gave me and what, some, what, and what are some possible investigations we could do. Yeah, so that, that wraps it up. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. If you like what we've done today, don't forget to like our Facebook page. You can find us on Mini Med Pods. If you would like to contact us and if you notice that we've said anything weird, uh, you can contact us on minimedpods at gmail.com. We would also love to hear your thoughts. So don't forget to leave a review in whichever platform that you love listening to us on. Otherwise, Simmer and I shall say goodbye, not forever though, and we'll be back with our next Halloween episode. Bye! Bye.